Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Breakfast with Gary and Tim. This is the moment. Great to have your company this morning. It's uh, Tuesday, the 14th day of March, and we're only two sleeps away from the season opener at the MCG. 90,000 plus anticipated for uh, Richmond and Carlton. The following night, it'll be Collingwood and Geelong, and then a whole host of games over the weekend. We've already spoken about the evenness of this opening round. Trying to pick your surefire winner is an absolute nightmare. There's been a lot spoken in the lead-up to this round of footy. And if it hasn't been spoken about, we're about to talk about it for the next hour or two. Nathan Buckley's wandered into the studio as he, well, he does regularly on a Tuesday, but given that he was off yesterday, Monday, he joins us today. G'day, Bucks. G'day, guys. How are you, Tim? You for Good morning, Bucks. What so? Five hours. Oh, you I two. Know, it's been a while. Yeah. You two should be joined at the brain now after spending all that time together on the couch last night. Does that mean we should think alike? Well, maybe. It's a bit like the Stockholm Syndrome. You've heard of that, haven't you? I have, yeah. and I've I was held hostage here on Monday mornings last year That's by right. um, by Gaz, and I've got I've got developed a fondness for him. <laughs> it's not hard. It's not hard. Not much sincerity in that. No, That's, there's a lot of sincerity. In that. that wasn't the cricket commentators. It was in studio Fox commentators mm. just crossing to see what was happening in the game. Really? Is, it, is that right? No. That's why it wasn't exciting. I'm getting a blank look from our boys out there. Um, anyway, we'll find out. There's a I, few people saying that they were they switched the ball during a break in the Aussie game. So I think I'm going to start with a question that uh, well, neither of you asked or answered okay. last night. Before you do, I want, we, we this is totally interactive. So this is your chance to bring up some stuff that maybe you haven't heard talk about, or if you have, you can ask it again. But um, this is what we're doing now. We are two days out from the game. Tim and I haven't been real footy heavy in the lead up to the first round, but this week we certainly will. We turn our mind to it. So there was all the footy shows were back last night, 360 couch, classified, they were all on. So I've got lots to talk about. I've got an example of something that the listeners might be considering. So we've spoken about the four tall forwards set up of Bulldogs <laughs> ad infinitum the last six weeks, I reckon. Yep. What if they just put one of those blokes on the bench? Yeah. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. So then we've been talking about four, four tall forwards, four tall forwards. Mm. Prob- they, they can go to the, the fact if, if you pick four in your 22, mm-hmm. you can go four tall forwards or you can go three or you yep. can go two. We'll you go none to trick them. Yep. Why don't you trick Melbourne well, go none? It, it, gives you, it gives you a different look at different mm. times and you can manipulate your forward line and challenge the opposition. So I think that's probably more likely what we're going to see. Yeah, I think um, – those that have been watching them play say that uh, most of the time there's only three of the tools on the ground in the forward line at any one time. Yeah. Of uh, is it is it just is it an obvious thing to say that those teams that have the greatest depth are going to be more advantaged now by the new interchange rule? In a game, it should even it up. The idea of having the um, the substitute to go to it should even it up because of the stats of what happens when it goes to. Um, the difference in, say, it's two rotators instead of four. So in the end, the the um, the depth will be tested yep. on a day, but I don't think the substitute rule itself 
um, is going to advantage people or teams with deeper lists as much as people think it might. Not yeah. across the season in a mm. game, it, it could it could in fact in, impact on that because your twenty third might still be a a gun player, a younger list like a North Melbourne. They might be a young player who's actually coming through. But I think that's where the benefit is. Yeah, actually having a younger player there, introducing him to the game um, and to the level and getting him used to the level, especially if you don't have the fitness to run out four quarters, it's actually a really good idea to have your younger players come through that position. I want to ask you a question. There have been four new coaches come into the game, okay? So how long is it before we see a distinct new style of the way these coaches want their team to play? Do you think it should be – is it enough time already has elapsed over the summer months for them to implement – the new style of play? I think there's an irony with this. I think that the most evident style will come from North Melbourne. Uh, and I think GWS, so to, as opposed to an Essendon or a St. Kilda. Okay, so you say North Melbourne because why? Because I think they're younger and you can teach a young More malleable. Dog. It's harder, yeah. You, you <laughs> oh, don't have special to... Special comments. You don't have to unlearn... <laughs> The, the things that the more right. that, that are more mature list, and I'm not saying Essendon and St Kilda aren't over the top mature, but they they'll have to unlearn some of the stuff that they've been taught to be taught it by either Ross Lyon or Brad Scott. I think the North Melbourne group will be younger and more malleable. Yep, a great word, pliable. Um, and Better I think word. and I think um, uh, I think the GWS. <laughs> <laughs> I think the GWS team will be stimulated by a totally different game plan that Adam Kingsley will bring. And we, we, but expect, then we expect it to be like... Those guys have been playing a different way for a long time, though, too, most of those they giants. Have, there's a bit, of, unlearn, so what, there's so a bit you, of unlearning to do there. But I just think that I think that North Melbourne and GWS's style will be more evident. And they're probably less hobbled with injuries as well. Okay. So as a fan, you've got, say, uh, fans listening to this that barrack for, say, North Melbourne or St Kilda or Essen or one of those teams... If it's not evident, how how much time do you think you should give a coach? I mean, when is it when is it too impatient, too early to go? Oh, we've got a new coach, but nothing looks like it's changed at all. I'm going to ask you your answer your question with a question, right. Tim. Does Adam Kingsley get more or less time than Alastair Clarkson? Um, yeah, I think that well, there's an expectation that Clarkson will come and because he's been a great coach and a premiership coach, then he'll be able to have an immediate influence on that group of players. But then I think you've got to temper that with the talent that he's also got at his disposal to be able to play a certain way. I think what you'll see, I'm thinking about Clarko, right? I don't really know Adam Kingsley's coaching. I'm looking forward to seeing it unfold and um, I think they can have impacts. If you're a North Melbourne fan, first halves of games, I expect them to be really competitive, Mm -hmm. right? That's the way I see it because – the, he his teachings and the way he coaches are very specific and demanding. And I saw a little bit of the practice match, at, you know, from the TV, yep. albeit the and Richmond it, one or the the, the one or, at, the uh, dogs one. Yeah, it was the dogs. Against the dogs. Yeah, it looked like structurally, I could see what he was trying to do in terms of defending, pushing, you know, mm. pressing up and the cluster, little bits of and the, the cluster, run and, run and gun. Stuff. Well, less less about that, more mm. about the, right, the, the defensive stuff, stuff, right? So I'm watching that and yeah. I'm going, okay, this, this looks pretty good. You know, they're in position and. Yeah, you know, they were hanging in, and it was. And then, to be fair, I had to go and call my game. But I did then look at the way the game unfolded, and as the longer the game went, the more it blew out mm. in the end. The, and that happens because you're not. This They're the, younger. That's right. Less so experienced. You go back to Hawthorne when he tried to implement this yeah. at Hawthorne. It was 
oh, yeah, yeah, it's exciting, they do it. And then after a while, they go, oh, no, I'm going to revert back. He so, had a five-win season in his first year. We've got to right. remember that. That's right. So then he, he has to go, no, mm. I don't really care about the win-loss because I'm believing in this. Yeah. So trust in me. And in the end, Hawthorne say, okay, I'm going to stick with it. I'll stick with it halfway through the second quarter when I, last time I went to self-preservation mode and thought, no, I'm going to look after my man as opposed to looking after the space. And that's when the whole thing opens up. That's what I think you're going to find with North Melbourne. I expect them to be competitive early in games while they're putting it in place, but they, they'll struggle as the games wear on. Okay, what about GWS then under uh, Kingsley? I mean, he's already stated, he was on this program talking about how much he believed and liked the way Richmond played. He's come out of that system. Is that, in your mind, Bucks, is that a difficult system to be teaching players? I think we've seen a couple of clubs in the last... With the go-forward mentality, I'm not saying Geelong have done that, but they did say that they were looking at beating – Chris Scott last night said he was looking at beating the Richmond side, who was the predominant team, and with the game plan that was testing everyone. And they thought they just got that sorted, and then they faced Melbourne. Mm. Um, But what what Geelong were able to do, go forward more, trust their forwards more, and that was a a big improvement. Collingwood – under Craig McRae, brought a more go-forward attitude um, mm. to trust their forwards more, added to the other aspects of the game and had a a, a big uh, step jump forward. So I don't think we should expect anything different from GWS, whether it can be from you know, into a top four or into a, into a finals. I'm not sure whether they're capable of that. Potentially they are, but I think that we will see a significant change in the way GWS go about it. I think we'll see a significant uplift in the way that their players believe in it because we've seen this program pulled into a new group of, of um, players and had and have effect in recent years. So why wouldn't we see it again? Are you expecting that uh, at Richmond, are you expecting that Taranto and Hopper are going to be significant players for Richmond in their midfield this season? I think they'll play very Or have we overrated them? No, I think... I think that's a fair question. We haven't we haven't just seen enough. I mean, I think individually, they we see them as high quality players. Mm. I think Hopper really came on in the last eighteen months. Taranto probably has had injuries and struggled through the last couple of years. Even though we know his his upper end is excellent, mm. so individually, both of those players um, are, are top end talent. How do they go pulling that team together? And you can only back, you know, Damien Hardwick and the coaches at Richmond because they've done it time and time again with different squads um, over the last five or six years. And, and they've been able to, you know, top the mountain um, when others haven't. So I, I, you'd assume that they're going to make the most out of what they've got. I don't know whether that's going to be a, a, a great team, but we'll find that out. But they've got great attributes and those two are going to be part of it. Who do they replace? This is an interesting part mm. for me, right? So Lambert, Kane Lambert mm. in their best is one of those players. Yep. Who and a ca- runner. Lambert's capacity to play his role. A role. I think is, great is greater than what Hopper and Taranto have been asked to do. Now, whether they can adapt to a role, if in fact they are asked to do that, mm. remains to be seen. We're, they're replacing an absolute bona fide, massive part of the premiership in Kane Lambert. With one of these two, let's mm. see whether they're uh, jury's out for me. Mm. I know they can go and find footy. Yeah, I know that Trano can find his own ball. I know he can go forward and kick goals and mm. that sort of stuff. But the role that Lambert played, if in fact that's where they're trying to replace, that's interesting. Lambert was a high forward that was basically helping Martin just become a forward. That's right. Yep. Did he push up high into the midfield and work his way back? So is is that he role going to be replaced? He was a transition runner, a little more. He was a 
great player, but he's more outside and more covered for for Dusty Martin than anyone they want to spit forward. Like I, th- I see Taranto and Hopper as legitimate inside hunt the ball players. Yeah, they do- need to find. They still need to find a replacement for Lambert outside of that. That's right. Opinion. Whether that be one be- of those two or not, or they look to someone else. Correct. Yeah, and but- I think it'll be a role. Like Lambert came in as a role player and then became far more than that yeah. for them. Cri- absolutely a- critical part like of what get- they did. Play high forward, go and get twenty five, and kick three, yep. two or three goals a week. You're mm. Pretty hard pressed finding players that can do that yeah. for you. Yeah, so I had some concerns about uh, the Tigers. For Richmond to still be successful, need to be playing at an A grade level. And all right, eighteen months he could get through. Bitch and Rewell, Lynch won yeah. the best in Ferris. Pressed, yeah. They've got eight players, thirty plus. Now you could say, mm. well, Geelong had not plus last year, yeah. but who's the next wave of the A grade of the younger A grade coming through? Who is the next wave? Yeah, so, Sho, Sho Bolton's an, an out and out gun. Two and, ways of looking at that, isn't yeah. He? And 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 he alluded to it himself. Is that North, a lot of this uh, narrative was around Geelong at this time last year about their older blokes and are they too old and that? So I think it's a I think Richmond are a fascinating watch. There were times last year, and I know Dylan Grimes had you know, quite a few injuries last year, but. The defence that has stood up so well that we've come to just lord mm-hmm. is not the same defence that they've got now. So Noah Bolter's still learning the craft. He ain't Alex Rance. He is no. he is Noah Bolter, the prodigiously talented athlete that's still learning his way. I've see, I saw him got opened up. I see him get opened up a few times. Even Dylan Grimes got it. You know, for the first time last year, I'm watching Richmond games going, oh, one-on-one, Dylan looks a bit vulnerable. And that may have been on the back of injury and lack of preparation, but... When we talk about the great Richmond sides, this is different. This is why it's such an interesting watch this year. Well, see, I think I think Cumberland can be a real player, and he's he works very hard in front of the ball. We know Gibkiss was lightly raced, and but but actually came through. So he's potentially going to be a player that can come through for them this year. But they're not at quite at the level that, no. that Brownie was suggesting. Um, obviously, Bolton can can be a real player. Uh, the other Thomas Dow looked looked all right in the preseason, mm. but these are the players that they're wanting to get through. Rioli had the the year of his life he last year um, as a, as a halfback, so he's going to con- continue to get better. Morris Rioli Jr. is going to do some damage up forward uh, at ground level, and yeah, they're the players that Sonsi. well Sonsi potentially, yeah, yep. and a Mansell who who are probably the the players going to come in and play that Lambert role that have got the ability to get up and back, but. Whether they come, if they can come to hand real, real quickly, well, then we'll see the best of the experienced players of Richmond because they'll be playing in a more efficient structure. Can they, can they be Geelong's De Conning, uh, Stengel, Zach Guthrie? These are the players that Chris Scott said, you know, this time last year, he said, I wish I could have sat here and gone, yeah, we're mm. going to win a flag because yeah. these blokes will develop. Yeah. And is there somebody that's going to step up like uh, um, Atkins did? Yes. Last year. Yeah. Like, is there somebody there that is just waiting for the opportunity to spend a bit more time in the midfield? And then we're going to be all be saying the same thing as we said about Atkins is, God, this bike's a lot better than we thought he was. That's, good. That's a good not discussion. Not many getting around. Like <laughs> well, there is. There's one in Carlton as well. first year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were the target last night about this, your this comments first, yeah. on concussion. What was it you said before we have a listen to what uh, so Caro had to say? My utterings surrounded uh, the fact that I wasn't sure how responsible the AFL are for uh, concussive effects, given that... Um, how they are or should be? Uh, should be. It was given that um, that there were some uh, court cases, or I think it was a, a class action that was coming to to the AFL in regards to 
concussion across the league and, and the way they've handled it. So I basically was contending that every individual that plays and has played our game does so knowing the risks um, that they're undertaking. And I, and I suppose it's that, – that were my specific comments. I, I did make a point of mentioning um, players that have had, you know, and quite a number of concussions and have had side effects that uh, the negative side effects that have come from playing the game and how difficult it would be for me to hear that for, for them to hear me saying something like that. But, um, I think it's a, a vexed issue because, um, as, as the, as our education and understanding of the science comes to hand, well then our attitude should change. But, um, I think that the league has done that pretty well. Did you say that 99%, I think there was a point here that she took, exception to that. Okay, nine, do you want to yeah, listen we'll, to we'll it? listen to Let's this. Yeah, listen. The 99% of players. Nathan, I respect your right to an alternative view, but surely your comments on SEN last week defeat the purpose of your own argument. If it really is true that 99% of players would sign away the security of their future health and welfare for the financial and emotional lure of playing this sport at the highest level, then surely that's even more reason for the game's governing body to save those players from themselves. Is that right? Did she capture that correctly? Yeah, she yeah, she did. That's mm. exactly what I what I said. And to save players from themselves is is to absolve an individual's responsibility and capacity to choose. Mm. Um, and I rather celebrate and recognise an individual's ability to choose at any time to opt in or opt out than than I would um, any legal action the other way. But the game has the the just added to that. The game has the responsibility to put the mechanisms into place to protect the players, right? A with the rules and the way the game is governed, but also by the time that a player, having spent time out of the game with concussion or whatever, or yeah. a knock or whatever, needs to then be sidelined for as long as the medical experts are now saying that they need to be sidelined. Yeah, and for. there would be mismanagement. Um, situations and scenarios that we're talking about. And I suppose that's when it comes back. It's not not about playing the sport per se. It's playing the sport injured and mm. being put back on the field or back into um, contact and conflict where you shouldn't be yeah. when, you, when you're not healthy and not fit to. Now, I understand that. Yeah. But, but we're, also, we're also hearing still that players are fudging whatever it might be and, you know, the effects of knocks and things yeah. that they've had during games, which is then very, very difficult for the medical people at a football club and a football club people, or the game itself, then to be able to govern. Well, how are you? How are you as a parent watching Job run around? Like if he had a if he had a severe concussion, mm. would you want him back on the field in no. the next month? No, let well, alone well, if let alone next week. If I'm reading now that you know the time away from the game should be this specified, you know, say it's three weeks or whatever it might be, and you know the first week in a darkened room, which is extreme, that type of thing, yep. no noise, all that. Then I'm thinking, okay, well, I would want the football club that my son played for to be making sure that they then listen to the medical experts and that's the way that he was treated. And do you think the AFL have done that or not? I don't. I, I think at the moment there's still confusion over the medical opinion I'm, and the I'm science not... around this and the treatment of it post an episode of they're trying head to trauma. They're trying to mitigate. They, they, they're trying to do – They're late to the party, I think. Yeah. Right? Um, they've been given a heads up on this, I think – Historically, and I think they've been late to the party. And now, 
I'm absolutely certain of that. And we know, we, we heard the AFL present to us only a couple of weeks ago. We know how seriously they're taking it now. So it's 12 days at the moment. Yeah. And, they're consi- and they think that that's the, all, all available evidence. Any concussive um, episode, episode yep. yeah, is draws Head a, trauma. That draws yep. a 12-day rest period. Yeah, yeah that's a, as they said to us, period. that is a minimum. And a minimum, yes. As, as a that's, minimum, yeah, correct. That doesn't mean that you then can go back and play the next week. That's the minimum. So there's it's a, there's an arbitrary element to that. We've spoken to experts who yes. say it's a nonsense, mm. and so it should be longer. Yeah, that's right. Mm. They're working through that. Or should well, you never play again? Well, there's an element of what Carol well, says, which is right. Though we do need to protect the players from themselves agreed. a little bit in 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 this, and this is where it's gone, where it's come from to where it is now has been massive in a really dark grey area, mm. because you can take it to the nth degree. The experts we've spoken to say if you're knocked out and have a concussion, then you shouldn't even think about it no. for a month. And there's some players that, that just cannot handle those concussive effects as well, whatever mm. their genetics or their makeup are, that they, that it's, they struggle with it more. Mm. But the, the point I've got is, okay, when you've, when you've played a full career and you come to a point and, you, and you're a bit hazy, you've, you're getting headaches, you're not enjoying you know, the – the negative side effects have been considerable. Do you go back 25 years ago and say the league should have known better then, even then, even when we didn't know, no one knew better then about the concussive effects of AFL football or NFL, mm. and you've got that mm. example with Tua yep. over there. Should that, should the AFL then be accountable for what they didn't know 25 years ago when that wasn't available evidence? I, I think that's the question that's yep. being asked. Well, that's a legal question yeah. that... I am un, in, uh, unable to answer because that I question. think it happens a lot in in a lot of situations in society. We judge people today. Yep, no, I agree with that. A lot. We judge them for what happened mm. twenty years ago on the standards yeah, on the standards of today, and that and we all fall short on that. And that's that's right. And and if I was to go back on my, I only got knocked out a few times. If I was fortunately touch wood, I'm absolutely mm. fine. But if I had the issues that some of the players. Then I can understand. Like I was not cold and mm. stood up and played. Yeah, same. No, no club doctor. You know, and I loved all my doctors, but no one at the time came in to me and said, "You're just unconscious. Therefore, you got." I stayed on the ground. Yeah, but who do you blame? Say so you. I don't had... blame anyone. Exactly. So you don't blame no, anyone. No, I do not. Which goes to what yeah. Bucks was saying. You don't blame anyone because at that time. Nobody knew or had the information well, the available to them about the have? long-term effects. But the medical science mm. hadn't even, at that point, yeah, but I don't know to... that there was the medical science around no, even that's then. right. But when you did your ankle or your knee or your elbow or whatever the case, they go and deal with that. Then should they have been saying, hey, the brain? We're talking the brain here. Yeah, yeah well, they, they were aware of what concussion was. It wasn't like we're in the no, dark no, ages. No, but they didn't know what the accumulative effects of sure. it were so got, until they actually what, – what started it was the fact that, uh, you know, former players left their brain to medical science. They opened them up and then they saw what the long-term effects were. Yep. Last night, uh, the Sydney Swans, they, I think they Maybe can, nine. I think they can bounce back. <laughs> Are you, any of you want to disagree? The Swans? Yeah. Not at all. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, they're battling against history too, aren't they? Yeah. 1990, since, 19, since 1995, teams that have lost the grand final by 40 points or more haven't then won a final the following year. Attribution? Uh, attribution to uh, Fox and uh, Champion Data from last <laughs> night. I watched, uh, didn't see that bit of the show, but uh, you, you didn't so, see you any showed of me. You watched maths, you said. Now, listen, does no, that, I went to bed. Does that put, would, does that, from a Sydney Swans fan, if you're listening to that, you go, oh, no. Or have they got a greater 
assurance and confidence in what they've got at their disposal. No, they've got all that because they've displayed over the years that they're one of the most solid football clubs, organisations, game plans, all that sort of stuff. They're underpinned by a really strong, aggressive desire to want to compete all the time and defend that type of thing. So that will still be there and they'll hold them in good stead. But well, winning, fi- winning finals is not that easy either. No, it's not. It's Brisbane went to, for a top four side for three years, went to three finals series and only won one final in those three mm. years before winning two last year yep. when they looked like they are in the worst shape yep. of That's the right. last four years. So it, it can be tough. If well, you it can get, be. If you get the top four, well, then you give yourself a double chance. But you could mm. finish f- fifth to eighth. Sydney could finish fifth to eighth and then get knocked out. That's mm. pretty much what would have happened in a lot of those scenarios. Mm. Yeah, be, well beaten by a granny. Have a have a middling year, get to a fifth to eighth, and then lose your first final, or even before, before the the, the top eight, have that situation occur. So, for it not to have, for that trend to have continued over a twenty or nearly thirty year mm. period is significant. Yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a watch. It is a watch, and yeah, you know, it's not it's not an unreasonable question to ask. What are the emotional scars? That uh, well, remain after a loss like that in the grand final. Yeah, and history is your best teacher sometimes. Well, having said that, having said that, we lost, and I don't want to go back to my history, but in but, nineteen but. in nineteen eighty three, we lost the grand final by what was a record margin back in nineteen in that time of eighty three points, yeah. and then backed up and won the nineteen eighty four grand final. Well, this is eighty one points. I know, so. I know the torturous training regime that we endured as a result of that. Really? Yeah, and this. The scar wasn't from the loss in the grand final. The scar was from their preseason training and then all the training that we were committed to by our coach who never let us forget it until we won it the following year. Yeah, but he, he so he washed out the experience of the grand final with a preseason that was that torturous um, that you well, couldn't think back further than that. that Bucks, I'll add, I'll add this to it. On the Monday <laughs> after, feel-good theory. after the Monday after the grand final, Rather than have the Mad Monday, our Mad Monday was going in. He was mad on the Monday. That's what the Mad Monday was about because we had to sit there and watch the whole game in its entirety. In its entirety. I wonder if the Swans did that. I wonder if I bet that they was... didn't. When when talking about just how Jake, Sammy just told us Jake Stringer's not going to play in round one and he's injured. Is, do, is he, do we body shake like with, with the mm. – is he body shamed? Because he's he looks big. Like his his thighs are big. He doesn't look like he's top of the ground. If he was going around, <clears throat> if he was parading mm. before a race, a horse race, he, we wouldn't say that he's in in great nick. Let's have a listen to Kane Corns and Matthew Lloyd speak about this. And, and Lordo, they've said that they're probably not in the finals mix. So I don't know why there's nothing to gain by setting a harder standard at Destin. Couldn't agree more with Kane that now's the time to do it because every other player will be sitting back. There might be the 17-year-old or the 18-year-old sitting back going, OK, okay Tipper's got a game this week. Get his... He's done every session. Tipper has done every session. But that, to me, doesn't look like an AFL match. It's a road player. back from now. You'll take some time, Tipper. So I haven't obviously seen that, but did they talk about the body part of it, the body element? They did talk about it and and not having. So yeah, you call it body shaming. Well, but see, this is the thing. We, oh, oh, this, you just can't get my head around it because we're we're talking about the professional athlete. I'm not talking about the person behind it, and mm. the person needs respect. But we're talking about professional athletes. We're talking about professional standards and expectations. I think we're allowed to have an opinion. On whether you are, uh, like, as as a 
sports commentary as viewers of the of the game, you're allowed to have an opinion on whether you think that they're up and ready to go oh, no. to, to execute their, Sorry, their skills. I, I, yeah, I thought you were going to go right. the other way. No, I agree. 100% I agree with you. You played with a bloke who was a great player but never looked like the svelte athlete that others look like. Who are we go- Who's this? Dane Swan. Yeah. So did you ever think that Dane Swan wasn't – Fit enough, or well, he was he bodily fat shamed for a period, wasn't he? And he like kicked that, kicked his fourth yeah, and goal, and then he won an another Anzac, Brownlow. Yeah, kicked a fourth goal in an Anzac Day game and tapped his tummy. Yeah. But that's the difference. You, you can look like that mm. as long as you perform, perform, and and underneath. Yeah, he did. yeah but Jake Stringer, when he's out there, he but, has. Yeah, but that's the point. He's still it? a match winner, though. And that, but the point is. People come in different shapes and sizes. Not I'm not the, nowhere near the same level, though. Let's let's make that clear. Well, he he looks he looks like he is carrying a couple of extra. Yeah, kilos. but if Jake played consistently like Dane did, week in week out, at a level that won him a Brownlow medal and nearly one two, of the most consistent players played the game. Then there wouldn't be. A, then we'd say, oh yeah, Jake Stringer doesn't look like a footballer. He plays a different position though. Like he doesn't play in the midfield. He like has Dane. to. Because he can't cover the territory. Well, he's, no, but he's never, ever been a midfielder. I don't think he was a midfielder no, when he got recruited. Point. Okay, he fair wasn't point. a midfielder. That's the way he's played. Now, I don't know. I, don't, I think you've got to, you also got to look at um, – and I've, I'm, not, I'm not sticking up for him, but you've got to look at sort of his, his issues that he has with injury. Are they related to his body know. type or are they related to the fact that he doesn't do enough work to get himself to the point where he can go out there and do well, the you've, training? You've been, you've, you were involved in, a, in teams for long enough. Injuries seem to come to the players that don't prepare well. 100%. And, and, and then we think that they've yeah, been hobbled by injury. Mm. But ultimately, and the individual yeah. themselves is the one that knows this more than anyone else eventually. Yep. Have I done the work? If mm. I've done the work, I'll get rewarded. And there's very few that do the work that don't get rewarded. That's so, right. So performance. What comes first? Performance, the level of performance and the consistency of being able to present week after week are the two things that will get all the people off your yep. back. But I can remember the conversation we had before last season. I said to you, I'm already hearing that Jake Stringer isn't able to do all the training because he's got a groin, right? So yeah. this is going – this is not this season. It's the season before. So then it troubled him all last season, right? So they weren't able to put him through normal training because they were sort of he – was, he was getting to the game and he was playing. He wasn't playing that type of thing. But this has been an ongoing issue. But my point goes back to the point – but goes back to this. Did he – what, 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 yeah, what's the contributing yeah. factor? The fact that he's mm. never, ever been a 100% preparer yeah. or the fact that he's had an injury, which has meant that he hasn't been able to prepare. Well, you, mean, you mentioned Dane Swan. No, we would not want our young guys to go anywhere near Swanee and see him as a um, role model of how to prepare because he was unique, absolutely unique. Mm. He did it his way. He worked bloody hard when it was time to work, and his training standards were, were generally pretty good. His warm-ups, no, no. Right. He would, he would hardly um, raise a trot. But he would actually train really well. But you wouldn't want him – you wouldn't want a young player following his footsteps. And the ones that did, they come a cropper because it was just a unique – structure that worked for that that guy, not something you'd recommend, not the level of professionalism that you would recommend to any young player coming through.